It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is another episode of the Fast Break Podcast Series where we highlight different media personalities, athletes, coaches, sometimes all three combined from the West Michigan or state of Michigan here and their careers. And we're going to talk a little hockey right now as we're in the midst of the Grand Rapids Griffin season. The Red Wings are going on both shortened, condensed seasons this year and obviously college hockey with the NCAA tournament with the Michigan Wolverines in as well. And why not bring in a guy that kind of Ties all that in when it comes to Grand Rapids or West Michigan hockey. Mike Knubel is our guest. He is a Griffin's assistant coach, but started his career way back when at East Kentwood High School, leading them to a Class A state championship. And now his new endeavor, I said tying them all in, is media. He is on the WXSP broadcast crew for your home Griffin's games on TV with Lou Rabot and also Larry Fagurski on play-by-play. And Mike, how are you enjoying that? Well, yeah, I guess I, you know, in your intro there, I guess I am touching all the bases here a little bit. But, um, yeah, I know it's been, it's been interesting, like, uh, you know, going through uh, uh, this COVID thing and people have had to make adjustments and things uh, that might necessarily, uh, you know, that were happening last year might necessarily happen this year. And, uh, you know, kind of going back through January when I had a conversation with Ryan Martin, they were trying to build some momentum. The NHL training camps were going on and trying to get the uh, – the teams going up and going we had a mutual agreement that you know it'd be really hard for me to stay inside the bubble based on what i do in my life with my kids i like to coach my son hockey and right and then this opportunity uh came around i thought well okay well if i'm not doing something well i'll call bob kayser maybe i can help him out on some of his uh radio broadcasts you know and so you know, i started poking around with that a little bit again trying to think outside you know what maybe doing something a little bit out of the ordinary that i haven't done before and then he mentioned they were going to start doing tv and i said hey let me know if i can help you out and Anyways, and Bob has a triple bypass. He can't do the broadcast, so I don't know if that was still going to go. And then I just kind of kicked around and, and kept asking a few people and said, hey, I'm available if you need it. And so they said, sure, let's get you on some of these. And uh, it's been kind of a, an interesting process, and I've really enjoyed it so far. You guys have done a tremendous job. I, I go way back with Larry. He's a CMU grad like I am, broadcasting guy. And obviously he's been in different stations and different markets, but you know, with Channel 13 and now with TV8 here and always has loved hockey. He does a tremendous job, both color and play-by-play for your broadcast. But that three-man booth, I, I love it with you guys with you and Lou and the insightfulness of what you guys bring and then the TV production. I mean, the quality is fantastic. I think it's really great what XSP has done. Obviously, they're simulcasting on my radio station and Wood Radio for the radio side of it, but it really sounds good. You've you got to be impressed with it. It's been great. It's been fun, the professionalism. Uh, Brandon, our director, like uh, he does such a good job in, in getting this thing together. And Eric Naki down there, you know, he runs all the video down at Van Andel and you know, they're down there working it. And then you have Eric Zane, uh, you know, kind of doing his uh, his shtick a little bit. And then the three of us up top there. And so I know it's kind of, we, we, you know, and Larry's such a pro, you know, he, he can do a lot, you know. And like I mentioned before, like Bob, Bob went down, you know, with, uh, you know, he had some uh, bypass things going on. So he's out of out of action. And then like, you know, 
you know, we're, we're a minor league market, you know, and so there aren't a lot of guys around that can broadcast play by, that can step right in and do play by play. And then Larry sure can, you know, and so, um, I think some of the radio people get a little bit cheated because they are simulcasting and sort of like he's, he's broadcasting and, 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 and it's different broadcasting on TV than it is radio. I'm finding out. And Larry's always very cognizant about that. He's like, Oh, I feel bad for the people listening on radio that they, you know, I talk differently because it's TV. And so these are all little interesting things that a pro like him will get, you know, and then Lou likes to do some trivia. Lou's got some, some things he does days in history. And he's really good about kind of the whole folklore of hockey and bringing up like dates and history and loves to talk about some old times and, and Gordy Howes and the Wayne Gretzky's. And I think Chalios was a trivia thing the other day and stuff. So he's great like that. And then I can just add kind of my player experience and, and it, it seems to work out pretty good. I, we've been herky jerky here with COVID. Like we missed the game Friday. We missed the game Tuesday, uh, home games, you know, and, and with WXSP, like really wanting to do the home games, which is awesome to keep fans engaged. And uh, COVID struck us down a couple of times. So I don't think we have like, another home game until like April 13th or something. That's unfortunate. But I, I do like the production. It's a lot of fun. Well, when you look back at your career, now 48 years old, uh, your birthday's on July 4th, so you're going to be 49. You mentioned your kids, and you've got kids in college now. But when you go back to when this started, when you graduated high school, you and I were a year apart, so I remember it. 1990, you win the Class A state championship. You were the star player on East Kentwood, which was the prominent program in the Grand Rapids area to see how rinks have popped up, how the Griffins organization has partnered with the Detroit Red Wings. You've been a part of both organizations. You watch high school hockey and how it's not just big three and, and everyone else anymore. It used to be just East Kentwood and you know then you had Forest Hill Central and maybe an East Grand Rapids thrown in the mix. These programs coming up and co-oping. you got to be so proud because I look at your kind of the first guy that kicked that door down you know then after that justin abdicator with mona shores on the lakeshore and obviously playing for the red wings and luke glendenning from east grand rapids but it really started in that 30-year window when you started coming out of high school yeah it was um you know I, it even starts further back for me like my father was with steel case in toronto and had my brother and i my parents had my brother and i in toronto and that was our start, you know, and hockey is probably, you know, you had the Owls, and you had some, I mean, there was some tradition around, for sure. I mean, you're in the state of Michigan, you know, but, and there was pro hockey in Grand Rapids, the Owls, if anybody's, you know, our age can remember that stuff, but, right. um, you know, and, and then there was some decent high school, actually, they had the City League, and they had, they had you know, Catholic Central, it was actually wasn't a bad high school setup, you just didn't have the numbers, and so, there was this huge drop-off, and hockey was really a niche sport, and, and you didn't have quite the participation level now, fast forward through the years of, you know, of organizations coming in like Fox Motors where our kids play and rinks popping up. I mean, there's probably a dozen sheets here. We had Cascade Sports Arena, which is now a swimming pool uh, <laughs> where they train kids to and I think a gymnastic club, you know, and then you have Jolly Roger, which is now Eagles Nest. That's still there. And then Belknap and Kentwood kind of came in the mix about the mid-'80s. Uh, and so you're talking maybe four sheets in general. Now you can think, you know, there's a dozen within within a 20-mile radius, you know. And so um, the average player's gotten better, just the grassroots, the number of kids that have picked it up and the organizations. And we look at a school like Byron Center that is just, there was nowhere to be found. It was basically on the edge of Grand Rapids right. uh, farm country back when we grew up. So it was Kentwood, you know, so to speak, with Caledonia. I mean, the world kind of ended at uh, 60th in Kalamazoo in my day, you know. And <laughs> yep. So, um um, you know, you look at these Byron centers that benefited from Fox Motors being down there and, 
and these teams that have been uh, perennial, perennial. And it's fun to see like guys we played with and against and we grew up with now the kids coming through and playing for their team. So you run into people all the time at the rinks. But you know, uh, going back to my situation, I mean, there was there was. Uh, it's really interesting when you talk about uh, role models and. And, and somebody to follow and trailblazers and stuff. It's like when we were coming through in the 80s, there were, you know, it was sort of out of the thought of a player from Grand Rapids could ever even play college hockey, let alone turn pro, let alone have a decent career, let alone make a career out of it, let alone get into pro coaching. Like, it just didn't happen to kids in Grand Rapids and West Michigan, even a broader picture, you know. So it was good to be uh, – I was happy to get kind of the ball rolling. And then, like you mentioned, Danny Biles from our area, he got the ball rolling even more. You know, here's, there's another guy. And then Justin comes in, and Luke comes in. I mean, it's, it's great for kids to see here that, hey, you know what? I'm, if I'm good enough and I work hard enough, it can happen to a kid from West Michigan and Grand Rapids. And here are the guys that have done it. I want to be like them. So it's, it's, it's a pretty uh, neat thing to, 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 to be the start of that. And I'm very proud of kind of – help get that ball rolling along with Danny, Luke, and Justin to kind of really show kids in West Michigan that can be done, you know. Before you went on, you played one year of juniors at Kalamazoo to Michigan and had a star-studded career playing for legendary Red Berenson. I, I want to ask you about, because I was just going through and preparing for the interview this week, and I didn't realize how ridiculous your numbers were in your varsity years, junior and senior seasons at East Kentwood. 28 games as a junior, 52 goals and 37 assists. And people are saying, wow, wait a minute, do the math there. But then you come back your senior year when you guys won it all, 29 games you played, 63 goals and 40 assists for 103 points. I mean, are you kidding me? That just had to be a riot. Yeah, it's a little bit crazy, you know. So, uh, probably some of the competition wasn't the best, you know, so numbers are a little skewed. But, you know, it was – we for, for a West Michigan team, we had – you know, we had kids that grew up playing some club hockey and travel hockey. And then at the time, Kentwood, uh, they had like a, um, a youth skating. Yeah, they had a youth uh, program as well, CASA, Kentwood Hockey and Skating. So there was some definitely grassroots that, you know, they needed these kids in there to feed that arena that they had on campus. And they needed some programs to take advantage of that in the community. It actually, So it actually turned out some decent players at that time for the high school level. And so, you know, granted, some of the competition what was there all the time wasn't fabulous, but... You know, like, you know, we, I think Ron Baum there did a nice job with scheduled teams that were out of our, you know, like we're in Detroit and we go to Alpena every year at Christmas for a great tournament. And so he made sure our non-conference schedule was against good schools and, and good competition. So, um, so that by the time we did get to the state tournament, we weren't, we weren't, we weren't overwhelmed or like big, you know, a little fish in a big pond. We were ready to play. And, and like I said, we had, we had good players there. Like, you know, my numbers are like kind of funny, but there's, there's guys with really good numbers right behind me that uh, most, most programs in Michigan at the high school level didn't have at that time. So, uh, I was, you know, that was a big part of uh, sticking around. Because you mentioned I went to play junior. I had, I had a chance to leave my senior year, and my dad and my father passed away two years previous. And my mom was like, who leaves their senior year to go play hockey? And now it's like people run off all the time. You know, I'm doing it even with my kids, you know, and they run off and play places and leave school. But, you know, it was just it was unheard of at the time. And it was uh, so I delayed that my 17-year-old year where I had those crazy numbers and went as an 18-year-old. And then at 19, I was at Michigan. So, and then things went off from there. I always thought, it was interesting the way that hockey is set up with its draft and also baseball. And I want you to talk about that because the maturity level I think you have to have when a life-changing thing like this happens. So in 1991 in the NHL entry draft, before you go to Michigan, you get selected obviously the fourth round, 76th overall, by the Red Wings. I mean, what's going through your mind at that point? And then 
oh, wait, you kind of put that on pause because then you go and play college hockey at the University of Michigan, which was a legendary program, to say the least. I mean, that's a lot, I think, for a young person to handle, right? Yeah, and I mean, it was, you know, I didn't, I mean, I think I heard I might get drafted, you know, at six, I was probably almost 6'3", and... 195 I had a decent year in junior i mean i think i played a decent league like there there was a first rounder brian ralston in our league there was another guy brian holzinger ended up winning a hobie baker at uh at bowling green there was a number of good players in our league and i did okay i was probably top 10 in scoring I wasn't i don't think i lit it on fire or anything but i knew figured i was you know i was hoping to get i figured i might get drafted maybe in the you know anywhere i think i was like sixth seventh eighth round um, at the time, there was only 21 teams or something, 22 teams in the league. So, 76 pick now would have been, you know, mid second, mid third round or something. But um, so anyway, got drafted. I, I I feel bad. My brother was having his high school graduation party a year younger than me. Kind of took the wind out of his graduation party <laughs> a little bit. Stole stole his thunder a little bit there. But yeah, I know. And I mean, being you know, I was 18, and and you know, and they're projecting down the road. I mean, the only guys who are stepping at 18 or top. You know, yeah, maybe that year, like I think Eric Lindros was the first guy. He was gonna step in i like yager might have been third or fourth maybe even like Keith primo might have been in there somewhere wow. marty marty the point marty the point was their first rounder you know and it took him like a couple of years to get to detroit but you know it was uh primo might have been the year before but there you know so if you're taking a top five you're gonna play you're, you think you're ready to play but i knew i'd be a bit of a project and you know for all these kids who are drafted i mean it doesn't really mean a ton it means somebody somewhere thinks you got a shot and, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of work that comes into that. And that's where I knew Michigan, like, like going, coming out of Michigan high school hockey was going to take me a little bit longer. And, and so, you know, you do get drafted. I knew I was going to an environment. The big, the, and Detroit knew I'd be going to an environment with, with Red and that, that I knew that uh, they were going to figure out if I was going to be man enough to play. And, and you could get drafted as a kid because you have talent. You look like you might be something, but... You know, when they start peeling back the layers and start figuring out who you are as a player, who you are as a person, if you want to work for this or not, then then they thought that uh, Michigan would for sure expose that and, and whether I was going to, you know, push through and become the player I could be or or, or or fail and get distracted and not pan out to be much. So, um, you know, that's so I knew I had a ways to go and it was it was uh, everything. Yeah, to be a Michigan kid and going to Michigan and drafted by the Red Wings, it was just all so convenient and everything was lining up so nice. We're talking with Mike Knubel in this edition of the Fast Break Podcast Series. It's presented by Grand Rapids Community College. His life story from East Kentwood to the University of Michigan to the Red Wings, 16 seasons in the league, representing Team USA at World Cup and Olympics, and now Griffin's assistant coach. And I'll add media to his resume, TV broadcaster as well with WXSP. And, and Mike, how about that? How did Ron Baum and legendary coach, your high school coach, help prepare you for what you were going to face? And what was it like playing for a guy like Red Berenson in college? Well, first of all, yeah, Ron was, I mean, he was very progressive at West Michigan. I think, you know, he's very innovative. He was pushing the envelope. He saw, you know, he wanted to take hockey to a different level where there weren't, you know, there weren't probably a lot of people that were buying what he was selling all the time, you know. And he had, he had dabbled with some experience with USA Hockey, so he had, he kind of had a broader view on things, which was good. I, again, like, you know, like to my point earlier, we didn't think a kid from West Michigan would even be involved in these conversations, but he said, you know, he had done some of the youth festivals. They used to call them Olympic festivals back in the day, and they bring regional teams in. They try to identify players, and now with the internet and the leagues have tightened up and people know a lot more about where these kids are, but kids were obscure back in the day. They didn't, the scouts, they didn't have enough people, enough ways to find guys and didn't know who everybody was, and people wouldn't do 
uh, certain things. And so they didn't know uh, exactly who all the kids were. So they'd use these regional festivals to help find find the elite players in the country. And so he dabbled in a little bit of that. And so he kind of had a broader view, which was really good. And then he talked to me about that. It was kind of going, you know, maybe, you know, comparing me not to a player in West Michigan or even Michigan. He said, like, let's compare you to, like, you know, some of these guys I'm seeing at these festivals from all over the country, the Minnesota kids, the Massachusetts kids. And, and, and so that was always a great little perspective. And he said, I see you, you know, I watched these guys and got to know them over a couple of weeks. And here's how I see you. I see you in with these guys, you know, and stuff. And so, and that was going over my head. I was just like, yeah, whatever, man. You know, like, I'll, you know, I'll get, you know, whatever. I'm like, yeah, I hope so. But, you know, I didn't know really what that meant, but he was very good in that respect of pushing like that. So, uh, yeah, it was, he was, he was great about that stuff. Up, you know, and then, and then moving on to, to to Michigan, Red and I, you know, Red was very, you know, he coached in St. Louis. He'd been NHL coach of the year in the NHL, and he played forever. And I remember that was the big thing, you know, as we were player there. God, he played 17 years, and we thought that was so awesome, you know, like played 17 years pro out of Michigan. We couldn't believe it. We're like, oh my god, that's forever, you know. And like, <laughs> we just wanted one, you know, we were hoping to get one year if we could make it there and have one year, but it's really sweet, but. You know, so he had these lofty, like, resumes, you know, and so you're kind of as a player. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're coming in there. You're like, man, like, you know, if I'm smart, I might want to listen to what this guy is telling me because <laughs> obviously he turned it into something. So maybe I should buy in here, you know, and. And so he had really high expectations. Ran it like a pro team. Red and I didn't have too many, uh, too many problems at all. You know, I kind of just he probably liked me because I just kind of kept my head down and worked, and I was I was showing progress every year and getting better and better. You know, and so I mean, my first year there wasn't easy at all. You know, I, you know my buddy uh, Rick Willis, who was uh, ended up being the captain at Michigan. Boston kid, you know, first time, many, many times our first year, we'd be, you'd call them the grocery sticks, right? We'd separate the forwards from the tee. We'd just <laughs> sit on the bench and kind of watch the game, you know? And so, um, you know, that was, that was us a lot the first year. And I mean, it, it, you know, none of this stuff was easy. I mean, you see like that I did have a lot of success, but it came with some trials and tribulations for sure. I mean, nothing was, you know, you look at my numbers and I kind of end up popping my second year. So Red just kind of let us, let us brew and kind of let us work. And as long as you kind of, did what they were telling you to do and you worked and you came in and gave a good effort and kept your nose clean and kept your grades up. Like, you know, you weren't going to have very many problems. So Red was good in that respect. And like, he was a guy, he's not going to, you know, the higher kids go in sports world and maybe it's changing these days. The kids, the young players these days, I've seen even at the pro level, they need to know that I'm doing a good job and they need to know why. And they need to know why you're telling me this or show me and tell me and pat me on the back. And, 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 and that's great. I mean, that's the athlete these days, but you know, back in the day, it was a little bit more like if nobody's talking to you, you're doing a hell of a job. You're doing everything. <laughs> and that's hard for young players to understand. It's like, they need somebody to tell them, you know, they're used to somebody telling them, Oh, you're great. You're great. And you get start getting up in the higher levels in college and pro, and it's like the less you hear from the coach, the better off you are. And that's what you, that's that's pretty much uh, how you got to leave things when you're a young player at, at that time in that area, anyway. Mike, I don't know if you realize this, but as we tape this podcast in this week frame, twenty four years ago, 
you and I'm not saying that to age you, you made your debut in a Red Wings uniform against Colorado. And that was kind of a special game that Red Wing fans remember, right? Oh, it's I, yeah. March 26th is always a huge day. Uh, my first game and and uh, in the NHL, you know, playing for Detroit against Colorado and Mike Vernon and Patrick Waugh fought at center ice. <laughs> absolute gong show game, and uh, you know, certainly it's been great. You know, my, my you know where I played in Boston and Philly and Washington and blah blah blah. You know, we get to know we have friends away from the game, and some of them weren't real hockey people. You know, until they met us, they were you know their neighbors or whatever. They didn't know a ton about hockey and stuff, and so. We're talking and be like, what was your first game? You know, I'm talking back. Oh, it's uh, Detroit, Colorado. It's kind of memorable because the goalies were fighting. It was crazy. Like, I know that game. I know that's the only game I know. <laughs> that is the game I, you know, I know about. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know. So it was, it was a game that actually transcends times. I mean, certainly your first game is memorable, but in the in the NHL lore and the history of the whole league, it is certainly one of the top ten to fifteen craziest. NHL games that ever occurred in the history of the NHL and I mean a regular season for sure but you know and to be a part of that was great and I mean the, the Hall of Famers that were playing in, in, at that time for Detroit Colorado I mean there were probably 10 or a dozen Hall of Famers involved in those games I mean they unbelievable hockey games and yes it's coming up March 26th and it happens every year you get a couple tweets about it or a couple texts from friends and stuff and so it's uh it was a fabulous fabulous team uh not only for me, but the history of the league as well. Mike, how about as you look at when you came in? I mean, Hockey Town was on fire with the Stanley Cup championships. And, you know, you kind of have a quirky story as far as getting your name on the cup, right? It didn't happen the first go around, but you didn't have to wait too long before it finally did. And how special is that to share with your kids? That, hey, you see that cup right there? Let's get around. Dad's name is on that. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yeah, so for just a catch up with some people just a back backstory for some people listening so yeah I, I came up with 10 games to go in 97 like i talked about that detroit colorado game they didn't play much in playoffs so there are little parameters you have to hit to get your name on the cup so i was there the whole time and 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 but didn't quite qualify to get my name on the cup so the next year i made the team outright and had played enough games during the year uh where i i reached the parameters or whatever and played more during the year obviously and then played a little bit in playoffs so uh, uh, so I so I got my name there, but uh, yeah, it's really fun. Like um, uh, end up with and and the Illich family actually gave me a ring for '97, and then you know '98 I qualified for one. So I ended up with two rings, and you know I don't really you know they're on display. They're kind of in my house, and and the kids come and look at them and stuff, and and and, uh, and they like that. It's really neat to have your name on the cup, and, and a big thrill. And you'll be there for I don't know. I guess by the time that ring gets works its way off the Stanley Cup you know they replace the rings every what eight to ten years something like that it might be on there for another 20 or 30 years so hopefully grandkids will be able to see it at some time but all my kids have seen it they've seen it uh really young in town in Grand Rapids a couple's on the tour and then we've been to the Hall of Fame in Toronto uh they've seen it there and then uh maybe another time it's been out and about on a tour maybe we're in Philadelphia and stuff so they like to see that snap a picture of it it's pretty cool for them to see uh, that their dad is on there but you know as far as rings go I don't I don't ever wear them. I don't feel like I like truly, you know, earned it. I wasn't playing all the time, so they're just kind of on display or whatever. And it's just a little quirk about me. I don't wear it like I did too much to get it, you know. So it's I don't know. It's just me, I guess. <laughs> Sixteen NHL seasons. You mentioned some of the franchises you played for. I mean, just legendary when you look at the history of hockey with the Rangers and the Bruins and Philadelphia and Washington, obviously the Red Wings, and then you get a chance to represent your country at four World Cups and also the 2006 Olympics in Italy. 
when you look at all that, what a career. 16 NHL seasons, Stanley Cup championships. What was the thing that maybe you're most proud of as you look back at your playing days? Well, yeah, I mean, just to back up first part of your question, I mean, it was so good to go. Those, I was lucky I played every city where, you know, it mattered. Uh, and then each franchise is really great. Like, you know, you get come to Detroit and you learn about their history and you see their retired numbers. And then you go to New York City and the Rangers and the retired guys and, uh, you know, Roger Bears around all the time. And then you hear about their alumni and the guys who played there and because they're original six. Then you move to Boston and Johnny Busick is our team, sir. You know, he's our travel coordinator, <laughs> you know, and Johnny Busick, who's one of the best left wingers of all time. I didn't really know who he was before, but, you know, what a, what a legend in Boston and, 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 uh, you know, and, New York get to play with Wayne Gretzky. I mean, like, so all these things started to happen. The Flyers, then I move on to Flyers, where they had a ton of history, and the Broad Street Bullies, and those guys are around. A lot of those guys haven't left. Washington was a little bit younger franchise, but, you know, Rod Langway's around, and seeing there, they don't have as many numbers retired, but, um, you know, it's hard, it's really hard to, it's really hard to pinpoint, like, one thing, you know, it's playing with Wayne Gretzky at the end of his career, and playing with Joe Thornton at the start of his career, and playing with Peter Forsberg, kind of middle of his career playing with Alex Ovechkin early in his career it's just like there's so many good things having being able to touch the Stanley Cup and in that and playing in the world championships and playing in the Olympics for uh the U.S. you know and and it was uh played in 2006 I kind of call them the forgotten Olympics you know in, <laughs> in, in Toronto Italy like everybody can remember Salt Lake and Vancouver but they're like there was one in between there nobody can ever remember where it was but um you know and one of my most probably is to be able to play a thousand games yeah, um, crossing the thousand game line it doesn't get you anything really as a player it's just sort of like a feather in your cap it's like a bragging right you know it's just like street cred so it's like uh, very very proud to do that it's uh, that's one of my more prouder moments because it does show longevity it shows it shows um, you know that you stayed healthy it shows you stayed valuable it shows that your team's you know found a place for you in their lineup and kept you on the roster and and you know and, and you know and I, I don't say this to sound like uh like i wanted more or something but you know we survived a lockout that cost you 80 games you survived another half lockout that cost you 40 so yeah i feel bad for a lot of guys you know so you could add a bunch more numbers on there and then you could add you know which you know would, would boost that number even higher but um and then i i feel bad for guys in my generation you know that you know jeff Halpern, who's assistant coach in tampa bay or dan cleary who works for the red wings now like those guys didn't make it but they survived you know a uh, lockout and a half so they're those are guys that won't get to a thousand games and then you look at alex ovechkin who really was ticked was having a real good run at, at trying to catch wayne gretzky and, and goals he missed a lockout and a half and then throw COVID in there for him and it's just like you know, some of these guys haven't had the best of luck to chase down some stuff, but I'm just thankful that my run, like, for the places we played and, and the people I met and the times we had, it was it was uh, a tremendous run. And, and uh, the, my kids were around it. They, they got to see it uh, a little bit and enjoy it, remember it. It was, it, you know, it was a lot of a ton. I got nothing to be unthankful about, really. As you transition, whether it's coaching your kids or being assistant coach for the Griffins and helping out that organization and obviously the parent club and the Red Wings and what they're trying to do rebuilding, did you see yourself when you were a player at the end of your career transitioning to a coach or how did that occur? Well, you start to think about it, you know, you start to think about, okay, like, you know, kind of like you retire, you start to get down to retirement, you're like, okay, and you're kind of wringing your hands, okay, what am I going to do, you know, and then on the other hand, you're like, oh, crap, what am I going to do, <laughs> you know, so, kind of like a double-edged sword there, you know, but, 
Um, you know, and I had some opportunities right away to take do some full time like player development stuff with another organization, and and really like you know could have you know jumped in full bore, but you know it kind of like we were kind of phasing back to Grand Rapids and kind of liked being around the house and you know and, and started with Jeff there in Grand Rapids when Jeff Blasher was coaching Grand Rapids and it's like you know just come in you know come in when you can when you feel like coming in and blah 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 and. And he said, well, what about a little bit more, you know? And I said, I can do a little bit more. And then, you know, Ryan Martin with the Red Wings has been fantastic. Uh, let me come in part-time because it could be a distraction, you know. It could be like, well, why do we got this extra guy around for? And, you know, they've been great. And, um, you know, and the coaches that have come through, starting with Blash, and then Todd Nelson came in, and I've known Nelly for – 20 years before he got hired. So he's like, yeah, sure, you can keep coming in. And then, you know, Ben Simon was hired in with Nelly as an assistant. He got the head job. And he's like, yeah, let's keep, just keep it going, bud. You know, and so, um, like, the coaches that have been through here and Ryan Martin with the Red Wings have been very good um, about letting me come and go. And like we said, hey, this season, like, probably maybe, like, Ryan's goal is to keep a really tight bubble with Grand Rapids. You didn't want, like, their season to be blown up and, and uh, these guys not did not get their games in, and so he's like, "Hey, let's let's agree to stay outside the bubble." And I'm like, "No, I totally get it, man. I totally get that. That's not really doable, and doesn't doesn't sit real well with you." So I totally get that. So yeah, it's uh, I, I've loved doing the part time thing, and I, I feel like it's been great. Like just stay up with things and how the games played, and the players, and and knowing the guys, and 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 just kind of coaching how coaching's evolved. Like I talked talked on earlier how you deal with players these days versus kind of you have in the past and how you've got to adjust and, and deal with them. So, um, yeah, no, it's great. You learn stuff all the time. And, and I've been lucky that, I, you know, I had that opportunity to do some TV and kind of stay connected and get to know the players and stay around and stay relevant. So uh, no complaints again, you know, no complaints. So. Mike, lastly, I have to ask on behalf of the hockey fans, and you know how proud they are, whether it's the Red Wings with Hockey Town or even right here with the Griffins and the Red Wings as their feeder organization. As you are on the inside watching this organization in drafts and these young players develop, it's amazing to me the talent that we've seen in Grand Rapids and now trying to correlate that to the Red Wings. But with Stevie Y heading up this ship, how excited are you for this organization in the future? Yeah, and I mean, I think... You know, you've got to preach a little patience here, and it's like Detroit, and the fans like our age, and probably even a little bit younger, like, just used to, like, it was just perennial. Like, it was just like a, a machine that would just churn and churn, churn out really good games and really competitive teams and really good playoff series and, you know, runs with the cup. And, I mean, you think uh, from 97 or whatever it was to, oh, what, two? Yeah. Whatever it was, 06 or whatever, 08, whatever it was, there were four Stanley Cups in there or something like that. And my dates might be wrong, but it's just like, it's the, the, what people have gotten used to was like, it wasn't, it's not real, you know, sometimes. And it's pro sports and it's cyclical, right? And so when you do have those successes, makes it really hard to draft high. It makes it really hard to keep those, uh, you know, get young players every year. You're kind of drafting mid to late first round. And so you're kind of like, you know, you're getting picked over a little bit. You know, the draft after a couple of years is not that, you know, you're not having access to top five players all the time. And so and that's a cost of being very successful, you know. And so eventually that catches up with you. And, you know, your star players, your cornerstone players they end up aging out, retiring. You've got to replace them. And it's hard, you know. And you look at uh, Chicago, you look at Pittsburgh, you look at Washington. I mean, they were they were last place teams and they just, you know, 
there's timing. They had incredible timing to be last place, terrible team at the right years when you have these franchise guys coming through and be able to have your hands on them. You have the Patrick Keynes and the Jonathan Taves and the Sidney Crosbys and the Malkins and the Ovechkins and the Backstroms. I mean, you just got to be bad at the right time sometimes. And, and, and you know, and it sounds funny, but it's the way it works out. You need that franchise guy. But, you know, and it, like, it's just going to take time. And the Detroit's probably not going to be in that, you know, have that franchise guy coming like that. And, you know, and who can predict uh, the next 15, 16 year old that's going to be that Sydney Crosby? I don't know if they're out there right now, you know? And so, you know, it's going to take time and you got to build and you have to draft well and hope that these young guys come through. And, you know, it just, it's going to take time because, you know, your salary cap is for sure balancing the power out. You can't stockpile players. You can't just throw money at people and buy your best players. you got to kind of draft and grow within and hope guys, you know, hope that you hit pay dirt on guys. And so it's, uh, it is a process, and it takes these young guys three, four, five years to, to stretch your legs. It took me that long, but, you know, they had Hall of Famers in place. They didn't need me, and now they need younger players due to collective bargaining and salary caps. They need younger players who are cheap that can come up and play and it's hard to find those guys. And so like back in my day, it was the opposite. They had all the money in the world that they could spend on veteran guys and plug a couple holes here and there with the Dandenos, the Knubles, the Holmstroms, like plug those little holes with those guys. But you know, it was, uh, now it's, uh, they need young guys to play and those guys, uh, you know, NHL players don't fall off trees. You know, you got to find them and dig deep. I consider a Mr. Hockey of West Michigan and the Grand Rapids area, whether it started at East Kentwood winning a Class A state championship for them or U of M under Red Berenson or 16 seasons, 1,000-plus games in the NHL and representing Team USA internationally as well. Mike Knubel, current Grand Rapids Griffins assistant coach as well and now broadcaster added to that resume. Mike, it was just an unbelievable career to watch you and now to continue to give back to the hockey community in Grand Rapids and West Michigan. And, and watch your kids and be able to, to follow their career congratulations on all of that well thank you it's uh great to talk to you today and i appreciate you having me on and uh yeah it's, it's i hope everybody out there just kind of gets through this thing and we do great and uh, get back to things get back to normal nhl season normal life for everybody out there so thanks for having me out here today brett the fast break podcast series is being brought to you by grand rapids community college Stay local and get a university-quality education for a community college price right here at GRCC. Visit grcc.edu slash apply today. I'm GRCC President Bill Pink, and our locations in Grand Rapids and on the Lakeshore are just one more reason why we are West Michigan's best choice. Again, visit grcc.edu slash apply today. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.